Today on CityCast Denver. Welcome to the historic Denver City and County Building. In just five minutes, the lights will be dimmed so that you may fully experience our magical holiday light show, a proud tradition at the Denver City and County Building. I have a confession. When I first moved to Denver and I heard the announcement about the Christmas lights, I thought the building was called the City Accounting Building. I was like, how does the city have an entire accounting building? No, it is the city and county building. It's where city council meets, and it has one of the most amazing Christmas-like displays I have ever seen. And did you know that some people believe that Denver is the birthplace of outdoor Christmas lights? That's just too cool. We've got that story plus the family behind the holiday display at the city and county building, not city accounting building, on the show today. Please join us as we count down to the lighting of the building. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Today is Monday, December 13th, 2021. I'm Avery Lill, filling in for Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Okay, so I am dying to know, did a Denver man really invent the first outdoor Christmas lights? That's one of the uh, urban legends, but I, I believe it to be true. I'd like to agree with historian William Way and say, sure, let Denver have this claim to fame. And Dr. Way makes a pretty good case for the legend in his new book called Becoming Colorado. It tells the state's story through 100 objects, and you guessed it, a box of Christmas light bulbs is one of them. Humanity has figured out a number of ways to, if you will, lighten up uh, the period, you know, to, uh, you know, make it less gloom and doom. And one way to do it, of course, is to have lights, to have lights. And I think uh, <clears throat> this was one of the reasons why, in 1914, when David Dwight Sturgeon, he was a local electrician, uh, he wanted to bring some Christmas cheer to his bedridden son. So he came up with this brilliant idea of, of connecting light bulbs dipped in red and green paint uh, to a strand of electrical wire and then wrapped them around the pine tree outside his son's window. I could just imagine how you know, cheery that was for his son. It was unusual. It was unprecedented. In fact, he, they say, set the precedent for outdoor lighting and because of the media you know that is you folks yeah uh they 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 wrote up a story about it the denver post uh reporter pinky wayne uh printed uh, an article about this event and uh, basically declared it to be the country's first illuminated outdoor christmas tree in fact she called sturgeon the father of your lighting and naturally, people said, hey, that's a great idea. Thinking that was a great idea, they naturally imitated him. And that's how you have people not only in Denver and in Colorado, but everywhere else. And I mean everywhere else. Setting up, if you will, these uh, outdoor Christmas uh, uh, lights, you know, not only on trees, but also on their houses. Unfortunately, I don't know how old his son was. And uh, quite frankly, I don't know 
what illness he suffered from. But uh, I, it's easy for me to understand a father wanting to cheer up his son. Uh, having a daughter of my own, I understand such things, you know. Uh, I can easily imagine that if this was uh, the basis for a movie, uh, they probably have uh, Jimmy Stewart, you know, <laughs> Jimmy Stewart, <laughs> David, David Dwight Sturgeon. Yeah. What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon, Barry. I'll take it. Then what? Uh, he's the kind of folksy character that you think would do such a thing for, for his son. It's a Wonderful Life was a real Christmas staple at my house growing up. But these days, the Princess Switch movies are more my vibe. Sure, Jimmy Stewart learns important lessons about family and the effect he's had in his community. But three Vanessa Hudgens with three different accents is over the top. And Denver knows something about over the top when it comes to Christmas lights at the city and county building. And a family-run company from Loveland, Blazon Illuminations, has been behind that display for more than a decade. Nate, Madeline, and Heidi Webb, thank you so much for coming on CityCast Denver. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks for having, for having us. us. Yay! <laughs> we all talk at the same time. <laughs> it's perfect. It's how we know everybody's in the same room. Nate and Heidi, I think y'all have been doing this display in Denver for 15 years. Do I have that right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. He's got the gray hair for yep. it. I color mine out. <laughs> yeah, I was six years old when they started. So, Madeline, what do you remember about the first Christmas they put up the lights? Uh, okay, I remember a lot of them. I don't remember the first one exactly, but my sister and I, we would always get to flip a switch even before the mayor. Like, we'd have to test everything. And so <laughs> we would be the ones going up, running up the stairs, flipping the switch, and all of, like, the either homeless people or just onesie-twosie people running around, they'd get to watch us flip the switch, and it would be this really cool magic moment for a bunch of people walking by. It's like, oh, Christmas is actually starting right now. Um, and then we also have this really crazy tradition that after we light the building, and it's during the parade of lights, we go to the German market, the Kris Kringle market, and uh, our family is from German heritage, so it's like a huge tradition is the smell of German food and the lighting of the Denver City and County Building is like a huge tradition on our side. So what's the kind of food you look forward to most at the Chris Kendall Market after the Parade of Lights? OK, there's smoked salmon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yum. You're speaking my language. I lived in Alaska for a while. Uh-huh. Yeah, like smoked salmon is amazing. And then you have to get the roasted nuts because mm -hmm. it's just so good. Like, uh, we had them last weekend because they brought some home after they went on a date together and <laughs> they were gone the next day, like gone. They were devoured. <laughs> <laughs> so this all started because producer Paul Caroli heard a rumor that the reason the city and county buildings holiday display is so maybe to use the word garish is harsh, but it is so many colors and so many lights. It was designed by city employees who know nothing about designing holiday lights, and Paul wanted to confirm the rumor, and that led to y'all. Obviously, that is not true. But tell me, what is the goal? What, what are you going for when you're designing the lights each year? 
I think actually you need some history behind that because the city employees did do this for many, many years, including one of Nate's uncles, great uncles, was one of the designers of some of the tin men that were originally on the building and set up way back in the day. And so they did do the manual screwing in the different colored bulbs and depending on their patience level or their um, interest in how many colors they wanted to put up, that was sometimes the case. And it, it's actually pretty cool that that's part of the history. But then going into our design, we try to tell a story every year and we try to be inclusive in that story. Um, also, the building itself, we like to say that the stonework was made and the chosen and, um, with the purpose of being lit. Um, the architects actually picked this specific stone for that historically, and uh, they don't harvest the stone anymore. And um, so it, the, we like to say the building speaks because there's a lot that happens. It's in the heart of our community. It's in the heart of our state. And there's a lot of good that happens there. A lot of challenging things that happen there. And we like to let the stonework actually have fun and have a party and bring some of that beauty out of it that sometimes gets lost in the things that happen in the world around it. Now that is something I would never have known. What makes the stone so good for lighting? Mm. It really comes down to the color of it. It's a granite stone and it's a pretty bright white stone. Um, it also has reflective like mica and other things in it. And so it reflects the light better than probably any other stone. And so during the quarrying of that stone and the harvest and the planning and through the architect, like Heidi said, they really chose that stone for its lighting, like lighting properties and how bright it would light up different colors and even just normal white light. And so it's kind of fun that this has been built for what we're doing with it. It was lit originally from day one. I mean, the first Christmas that the building was open, it was lit for Christmas. And so that has just become the tradition that this building is known for. And I think for our small part in history, the long, the long history that's, you know, prior to us and then after us, it's a pretty cool place to be. Madeline, was this what your first year working on the production with your parents? Um, well, I've been helping with like bits and pieces of it, but this is the first year I've done the full on process of helping create the show with these guys. Um, and it's kind of cool because it's a lot like storyboarding and building a movie or a video or a TikTok for most people right now. You, you have to plan it. And there is a really awesome thing is the local artists that produce the music then from there, we get to go in and storyboard the stories that match those songs. That helped a lot, especially in the early stages of the process, because like for us, it's easy to get lost in, oh, here's a color here and here's a color there and we could do this and do that. But a lot of the things that people don't think about is simplicity tends to be the most authentic. And so we are telling a story. We're not telling a, everybody go crazy and <laughs> we're, we're just going to go to the music and have a bunch of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love how much you're all talking about story. What is the story this year? Okay, wow. so it's very interesting. <laughs> Do you have those drawings nearby? I can go grab them. That would be, be fun. Oh, yeah, I'd love to see we them. We have storyboards, actually, for her to show you. So what happens for us is that um, actually Nate and Madeline sat down. Is I'm busy on other things sometimes, too. But they sat down and they storyboarded what each song would look and feel like. So you want to show what that looks like? Yeah, so storyboarding really started this year. This was uh, like just a quick little drawing. We have this elevation drawing that shows the building and kind of it laid out on a two-dimensional plane. 
Um, and we write a bunch of notes and scribble some colored notes and selections around that. And the idea behind storyboarding is really just to kind of get a way to kind of scribble. It's all about just really blue sky thinking where we just kind of come up with as many different looks and ideas and feels of each song. And so the first song starts off where it really felt like a 1950s kind of car hop sound. So the idea theory behind it is that we're sitting behind some hot rods with the hazard lights flashing, you know, <laughs> and we're listening to this music and the building just goes through these different colors of different hot rods that we're looking at. And then you kind of get to go on a road trip. So there's a section in there during the verse where you're on this road trip and you see trees going by in the sky and things like that. And you can't visually see that, but like when we drew it out, I don't know if we have one that's drawn out, but when we drew it out, it was just basically a road trip. That's kind of what we wanted to do. People go on road trips, especially this year, you know, it's a little more complicated to fly this year, right? So people just jump in their cars, they're gonna go to road trip to grandma. So we wanted to be nostalgic back to that feel. And I, th I think that song really spoke that well and it kind of gave us that old road trip kind of feel. Um, the next song is, I mean, it's Peanuts, right? So oh, it wasn't Peanuts. Was it? It was the second was, one was, um, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's stuck in my head. So. It, was, it was more. But, could you sing that again? How does it go? <laughs> <laughs> it's do, 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 oh my gosh, yeah. no. We've got the music, like, the sound of it in our heads. Drummer. We don't necessarily know. Oh, it was like, Drummer Boy. Drummer Boy. Yeah. Okay. yeah so the, that one we're actually. The pum 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 one, yeah. 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 So yeah, Little Drummer Boy, I mean, that one just is a really great song. It's a classic. So we wanted to make it um, kind of new and vibrant. It has lots of motion. So there's lots of movement in the building. So we're lighting up different parts of the building in different sequences, getting those kinds of things, starting on the tower and moving our way through. And so you see a lot of vertical movements of lights changing colors and then also moving up and down. And so that was a really fun one. Just the music had so much dynamics to it. It was really fun to play with. The musicality with. of it too allows for a rhythm kind of feel to the building. And we like to have this building, like we said before, speak. So speak from, from the top down, bottom up, sides in, in, center out, you know, doing different things. How early in the year do you all have to start to design this whole display and the music experience and all of it? You know, the challenges are we try to start as early as possible, but sometimes just timing doesn't work out. Um, it's a lot of times it's hard to find music or kind of get your mind wrapped around Christmas um, so early on in the year. So we mm -hmm. give it a little bit. And, and really, I think that leads back to some of the storytelling behind it, right? we try to make it culturally relevant, right? So like, what did we experience in this 12 months? And because this is kind of a wrap up of the end of the year, it's a celebration of the end of the year and what kind of what happened in Colorado and Denver. And we wanted to portray that, right? So we want, to, we want the music to be relevant to what's going on in the year. So last year we had some things that were a little more somber, a little more, I don't know, it was a little more escape even because we wanted people to escape the craziness of 2020. And then this year was more of like, let's just get back to the celebration and go back to some of the historical retro kind of feel. We just want to get back to the, the great old days of what we were doing before and not ignore our current situation, but to just remember what was really amazing about those old days and Christmas and celebrations and the holidays. 
part of what we're going to be talking about in this episode is the fact that Christmas lights were invented here in Denver. Mm -hmm. So you've all talked a lot about heritage. Do you feel extra pressure to do a good job because Christmas lights were invented here? You have no idea. Yeah. (laughs) You have no idea. So, okay. So we're, my family history, you know, because we're all kind of mutts globally, but I'm, I'm a mutt that includes German and Russian. And um, I, I have a lot of the old fashioned candles on the trees and that kind of tradition. So Christmas has been ingrained in me. Like it is, you understand the value of what it is, you know, um, things like that. And so when we had the opportunity to take this on, then we found out Nate's grand, his great uncle worked on the building and created these things like that, that personally is big. Then you add the fact that Christmas lights was invented in Denver and in the, the Colorado area and, and, made a tradition everywhere so now we're we have the honor and sometimes the scariness of it all but (laughs) the honor of being that beacon and so those historical pieces are getting lost to the the dusty shelves of history and it is our job to keep remembering and trying to bring you know that kind of respect for that history to it as much as possible to thank you all so much for coming on CityCast Denver. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. This has been fun. And here's what else is happening in Denver today. Mayor Hancock vetoed a proposed ban on flavored tobacco and vaping products. According to Westward, Denver City Council passed the ordinance 8-3, but the mayor said it fell short hinting that a statewide or at least regional ban could be more effective. The ordinance now goes back to city council tonight, where it needs a nine-vote majority to pass. That's seen as unlikely, given that some members expressed opposition the first go-round. Now an update on a story we brought you last week. Looks like Denver's Department of Excise and License doesn't think Beta Night Club should be able to keep selling liquor. Fox 31 reports the club has collected a laundry list of violations, including disorderly conduct, sale of fake drugs, and sale of real drugs. Check out our December 8th conversation with Westward reporter Connor McCormick-Cavanaugh for a full timeline of events, plus hear beta owner Valentes Corleones himself on why he feels targeted by the city. And finally, Mistaje Mountain is officially the new name of a peak near Evergreen. Mistaje was an influential Cheyenne translator in the 1800s, the Colorado Sun reported. The old name for the mountain was a slur toward Native women, and renaming it was the new Colorado Geographic Naming Advisory Board's first recommendation. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye, y'all. I've, I was going to say I felt very public radio-y. hadn't read it ahead of time, so I was in my, like, these are words I don't know, but I will read them with the same inflection so that in case they're sad, I won't sound like an asshole. Um...